But physical vision, you can see what? You can see the physical. You can see color. You can see size. You can see shapes. You can see objects. You can see people. Many people even wear glasses or contacts to help correct their vision so that it enables them to see more clearly. Well, with spiritual vision, God gives you the ability to see into the spiritual realm, to see as he sees. Spiritual vision gives you the ability to see which, that which pertains to spiritual things and, and an ability to see them clearly. Amen? It's called insight. Insight. Pray for insight. You know, for example, there's some people that have what's called tunnel vision. Tunnel vision is a condition in which the person can only see that which is straight ahead. In other words, they don't see what's side to side. They see just what's in front of them. And physically, it affects their peripheral vision. So it cuts off some things. They may not see everything that everyone else sees. Now, psychologically, a person would think only about one thing if they had tunnel vision. They would be stuck on that one thing and ignore everything else. To those who have uh, lost peripheral vision in the spirit, God wants to restore your peripheral vision. He wants to give it back to you. He wants to increase it wherever you are in your walk with him so that you can see more clearly. See what you need to see. Amen? Everybody say it. Lord, help me to see. Help me to know what I need to know. God grants vision. He gives vision and it's sight of another kind. And you know, we said uh, a few Wednesday nights ago that when God grants vision, his vision for your life, his vision for a local body, his vision for a nation, his vision throughout the earth, it's always bigger than your hand. It's always bigger than your ability. It's always bigger than your strength. It's always bigger than your resources. He's a big God. And vision is what? It's the prophetic voice of God speaking to you. He gives you sight of another kind. Where you're going down the track, naturally speaking, and you think you've got everything laid out. God has sight of another kind for you. He's calling you up to higher ground. He's calling you up to a higher place in him. Amen? To do more for the kingdom of God. You know, we took a look in Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2, chapters, uh, chapter 2, verses 2 to 4, and we looked to see what vision says, what it says about vision. We know this, that without vision, people do what? They perish. They have no goals. They have no purpose. And so let's, let's read that just real quickly again. It says in verse 2, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the bold, his soul is not upright with him, but the just shall live by what? Faith. It takes faith to take hold of God's vision for your life. It's bigger than you. It's greater than your resources. So we see here three things. You've got to write it, you've got to run with it, you've got to read it, and you've got to run with it. Write it, read it, run with it. You've got to write it down because there's an anointing that comes out in the pen. As you begin to write, the inspiration of the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you begin to write that which he inspires you to write. And when you write that which he inspires you to write, it's bigger than you. So you've got to go back and do what? You've got to read it. You've got to read it. You've got to keep it before your eyes. Because if you don't, you'll faint along the way. You'll lose it. So you've got to write it. You've got to make it clear. You've got to make it plain. You've got to make it easy to understand. So that they that what? Read it can run with it. 
It's not just for others who come alongside of you. It's for you. You've got to read it. It's got to be, number three, motivating. It's got to be inspiring. And so we see that we receive it with patience. You know, through faith and patience, we inherit the promise. We see here that there is an appointed time. And so we said that timing is so important. Timing is like, you know, we want it now. We always want it now. Our flesh wants it now. But God's timing is what? Perfect. There, again, God is always, there's always increase with him. So there's steps in a vision. He may grant you a portion of it, but you may not see the whole thing. Because it's not time for you to see the whole thing. Again, you might faint if you see the whole thing. So he gives you steps. Steps in your course. Steps to run your race. And you take each of those steps and something else unfolds. It's so glorious. And you turn around and you go, wow, Lord. And it amazes you. I mean, it amazes you what God does in your life and what he does in and through you. Say this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, we see in that passage of Scripture that it's often delayed. It says it tarries. It tarries. It's for an appointed time. So we've got to know that. If you don't know that going into it, you're going to be impatient. If you're always looking, you've got to, you know, as Joyce Meyer says, enjoy the trip along the way. you just got to do that. You've got to be happy today. You can't just wait till everything manifests because I tell you what, God is perpetual. Everything will not manifest. It's not a destination, folks. It's a journey. So enjoy the trip along the way and be empowered along the way for each step. Um, Pastor Mark has asked us to do some things with this. It's number five. Let me say this. Fulfillment is certain. It says, though it tarry, it shall what? It shall come to pass. Now, pastors asked us to write down some things. Write down some things in terms of our vision. The vision that we have, that God places in your heart now, that God places in your heart. That means you have to be prayerful. Prayerful about writing down the the things that pertain to your financial vision, the financial vision that God wants to give to you in your life. The vision he wants to give to you for your local church, for uh, in terms of your time, your talent, your resources. Those are things that God has gifted you with. He's given to you, and the first fruits of them belong to who? To Him. Glory to God. Any, uh, in the process, again, you're going to have short-term, I want to say this, short-term and long-term goals. You've got to set short-term and long-term goals. So if you're saving to buy a house, for example, you want to first get out of debt. So you have to have a short-term goal to pay off your credit card, if it's credit card debt. You know, have a plan. So you have a short-term and a long-term goal. So make sure that you you consider that when when you are prayerful about doing this. And we're supposed to bring them on the second, on Vision Sunday. And we're going to pray over them. And we're going to believe God corporately for it. Amen? Hallelujah. Any God-given successful endeavor has to be founded in what? It has to be founded in the Word, and it has to be founded in prayer. Prayer is the foundation. The Word of God is the foundation from which we build on. Foundations, when you lay a foundation to build a home, we we said this the other night, we said that it has to be built with a, a foundation that's made up of cement. Cement is simply what? It's rock. So if without that foundation, I'll tell you what, you're going to be on sinking sand. And when the wind comes, you know, when it blows, when the rains come, it's going to beat and it's going to fall. So our foundation is founded on the rock of God's word. Hallelujah. And it's a rock that doesn't roll, Pastor Tom. Because <laughs> that's how he rolls. Amen. Glory to God. You're here this morning. You get that. So anyway, um, the foundation, again, for any vision that God gives you has to be his word, which is his will, prayer, faith, and thanksgiving. So let's go to the word to help give us direction. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
And we're going to look at verse 1. Word exhorts us there. It says, first of all, first of all, that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for who? Who? That covers everybody. Prayers, intercessions, supplications, giving of thanks are to be made for all men. All men. First of all. And, you know, as we said, just like shoes and socks, both have to do with feet, but yet have different purposes, so it is with prayer. There's different rules, different purposes with different types of prayer. And I'm not going to go everything we talked about last uh, Wednesday night, but I want to tell you that supplication was the thing that we covered, and that supplication, we learned this. We learned that supplication is actually a petition, where you petition God. And so it's something that's very... It's very precise. You're very uh, dedicated to. You're very diligent about. You're very mindful in pulling it together. It's an earnest entreat. It's an earnest request. It has direct purpose with serious intent and determination. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's like a formal thing. You write it out. So we gave an example. On this day, I come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy to help in this time of need. And according to the word of God, I release my faith and stand on your word. I speak the word concerning this matter. I receive wisdom and insight. I shall see and know what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. And in Jesus' name, I declare it. Amen and amen. So it's a formal petition. And sometimes you come like that unto God. And then it it turns into like a supplication where you, you make intercession It it, it travels. It's like you're in the river of prayer and it has many streams and it goes different places and they connect and then they they go apart and they come back and they reconnect. And so we said many things about how in, in the book of Psalms even, you can see very often where David would start off with a prayer of supplication, petitioning God. And then as he moved along through the psalm, all of a sudden he'd be declaring some things as if he was the voice of God. And so that's what happens many times as you step into that place of prayer. You'll step in, you'll, there'll be a supplication for a situation, for a person. And all of a sudden, as you begin to pray over that, God will, you'll come around the bend of the river, and you'll, you'll, all of a sudden, you'll have what turns into a petition, where you're petitioning and you're declaring some things. You're making declaration. And if you declare a thing, it shall be what? Established for you. When it's under the unction of the Holy Ghost, I tell you what, there's nothing like it. And so, supplication. There's a place in prayer where you take on the heart of God. And you begin to move outside the walls of your territory into the walls of his territory. Moving in God's realm. Moving where angels walk. Moving in things that not just concern you, but concern the heart of God. Amen? And I, I don't want to go into the whole testimony, but in ladies' prayer, we had just uh, two weeks ago the same thing where we were praying for the lost. It was just before Easter. Praying for the lost. And uh, TK was praying. And as she was praying, there was just such an unction that came down. And I tell you, right down here on the inside of me, there was supplication. And that supplication was, was petitioning for the hearts of men for the lost. And... I stepped over into that place of intercession where you're, you're standing in the gap and you're praying in their behalf and all of a sudden I could just hear the voices of mankind. And they were crying out. And they were saying, I'm lost. I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. And that so impacted me. It's with me today. I can't get away from it. I find myself, as I entered that place in prayer, you know, primarily a lot of times I pray for, for the body of Christ because I'm a pastor. And I pray for the lost too, but I don't know, God's doing something. If you, I'm telling you, come to ladies' prayer. You get vision. And God wants to do some things here at Heart of the Bay. And they have to be laid in the foundation of prayer. And so, he's doing something, isn't, isn't he? He's stirring us up in some things. And I just can't even get away from that, from the loss, from those voices. 
powerful. And so we talked about how, you know, we talked about great revivals. I'm not going to discuss those. You can get the tape. But men of old who moved under the unction of the Holy Ghost, who prayed and great revivals came as a result of men and women praying. I said, these men had a few things in common, and I want you to catch this once again. They were men of compassion. They were men of prayer. They were men of humility. That's the qualifications. And when they prayed with that spirit, I'm telling you, wherever they went, a spirit of conviction would fall upon the multitude of people, masses of of people. Right here in these United States, we talked about those things. The things that have happened in revivals here in the United States and in Wales and in England and Germany. We talked about all of those. Men of prayer. You know, for some reason, I think that we always think we have to qualify in a different way. Think about the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus, didn't he? And he said, you know, oh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, I've kept all the commandments. I think he had a melancholic personality, don't you think? I mean, he was checking his list off. I've done everything I know to do. What must I do? And Jesus says, you've got to do one thing. Follow me. Forsake all and follow me. That tells me that the qualifications to step out and be an intercessor, to step out and be a prayer, to step out and be a watchman, is the condition of the heart. That's what qualifies you. Where your heart is. Where God works in your heart. To change your heart. Just like I was telling you about in ladies' prayer, there's just... You know, I don't want to call it a burden because it's not a burden. It's an assignment. An assignment from heaven that God has granted. And it's settling in here. So join in that assignment. Because God has a conversation with the church. Amen? The, the, the company of believers, not just one person, not just with the pastors or the staff or the leadership. He wants to do something here in the Bay Area. He wants to do something here at Heart of the Bay. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we've got to prepare the way. We've got to make the crooked places straight. Amen? We've got to bring the high places down and the low places up. We've got to prepare a highway unto our God. And that's done in prayer. It's done in prayer. And so, we talked about supplication. Tonight we're going to center up a little bit on intercession. Intercessions. It's the only place in the New Testament where it says intercessions. And intercession is prayer on the behalf of another. Intercession is prayer on the behalf of God's purposes. Intercession is prayer that takes hold of the will of God and stays there until it comes to pass. That's what you do in prayer. You take hold of the will of God and you stay there. You stay with it until it comes to pass. And so, um, I was reading up on Dr. Cho. This was really interesting. You know, he has the largest church in the world. How many people are in his church? Do you know? Millions. And he told the story about a lady who... Uh, for 20 years, prayed for that area in Seoul, Korea. And it was during a time when there was no natural way that it could come to pass, where you would look and you say, "Uh uh-uh. But she took hold of the will of God for that area, for that territory, for that region, and when you do battle in prayer, you, you battle principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. You make intercession for the hearts of the people, for the hearts to be opened and not hardened to the gospel. 
I'm sure she was not the only one God had praying, but this was the story that he told about this lady who prayed. And as a result of her intercession, Seoul Korea has one of the largest churches. If not, I guess it would be the largest church in the world. Amen. Dr. Cho says this, intercession happens when the Christians enter into their priestly function of providing an earthly base for God's heavenly interest. God has interest. He has purposes. He has plans and he has pursuits. And when we take hold, we step into that place where, you know, we're kings and priests and we're to operate there. And of course, a priest stands in the gap. So that's what we do. We stand in the gap. And we make intercession. When you stand in the gap, you make up the hedge. You know, when they had walls, they would have walls of hedges. And and, and sections would be missing. And so the enemy could get through into the city. And so there would be ones that would come along, they would stand in the gap. To protect God's territory. Amen? That's what you do. That's what you do when you pray. When you pray for your loved ones. When you pray for the lost. When you pray for your church. When you pray for this nation. When you pray for other nations as God puts them in your heart. That's what you do. Ezekiel 22 verse 30 says this, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But here's the sad part. What did God say? But I found none. Why is that so? I think sometimes we think it's so labor intensive or something that it's so hard to pray. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but it's not. You have a helper. You have the Holy One. Abraham made intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah, didn't he? He petitioned God. He said, God, there's 50 righteous. Don't destroy this city. God said, okay, for 50 righteous. Because God told him ahead of time, see, he was a man of prayer. And when you're a man or a woman of prayer and you have a relationship with God, God's going to show you some things. He'll show you things that are going to come. And he told Abraham, I have to talk to my covenant man. God will talk to you about things pertaining to your life, to your family. Amen? Amen. And so he said, the city's going to be destroyed. And he said, oh God, if there's 50 righteous. See, that's intercession. And then, of course, there was not 50 righteous. How about 40, Lord? 40. If there's 40 righteous, surely 30. 20. There's got to be ten righteous, Lord. And he stopped there. There weren't even ten righteous to be found in the city. And nobody stood in the gap for the other nine. Hallelujah. Jesus, in Luke twenty-two thirty-two, he told Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. That's intercession. Peter, in Acts 12, 5, Peter was in prison. He was kept in prison. But the church did what? They prayed. They made intercession. They earnestly petitioned God. Until, until what? A miracle happened. Amen? Hallelujah. Peter came out of prison. You know, if you know somebody in prison, it may not be a natural prison. It may be a spiritual prison where they're bound. You can pray the prayer of intercession in their behalf and you can stand in the gap and you can watch God move on their behalf. Now, something important about standing in the gap that you need to know Sometimes it's easy to get weary in well-doing because sometimes it takes a process of time for God to work. And so, at least I believed, I would, I, my heart would have failed me 
Lest I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You've got to believe in the goodness of God. You've got to believe that God wants them saved. God wants them delivered. God wants them whole more than you want it. And when you take on that place in prayer, God will work that heart in you for that person. I've been praying for some young people that have been in crisis here in this church, three young men in particular. And oh my gosh, I, I tell you, take on the heart of God for them. And it's not hard to pray, it's easy, because you so desire to see them delivered. You so desire to see the work of God in their life. You so desire to see them restored and refellowship to Him. Different issues. But God's a God who takes care of them all. Amen? Say amen. amen. You know, we're instructed in the word to pray for Jerusalem, for the peace of Jerusalem. That's intercession. Paul, he often said in the New Testament, for this cause I bow my knee. That's intercession. First Timothy 2, 1 and 2. I'm going to look at the second verse as well here. It says, Again, first of all, uh, therefore I exhort first of all that all supplications, let's say it, supplications, supplications. Prayers, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, that they may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all what? Godliness and reverence. Leaders' qualifications. I want to look at this because it, it talks about those in authority. Those in authority. Let's look at the qualifications for leaders in authority. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 18, and we're going to look at verse 21. It says in the New King James Version, Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as what? Fear God. Men of what? Truth. Men who hate what? Covetousness. And place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So what's the qualification to stand in an office, in a political office as well as, you know, a spiritual office? The qualifications are very clear here. First, you're supposed to fear God. Second, you're supposed to love truth. Third, you're supposed to hate covetousness. I looked that word up, covetousness. It means gain or profit for oneself. You've got to hate that to qualify. Covetousness is practiced from the heart. It's an issue of the heart. It's a heart matter. It produces vanity, greediness. It leads to injustice, oppression, lying, murder, theft, and departure from faith. So when we don't have leaders that are godly leaders, the Bible says when you have the godly leader, then there's peace. But if we don't have godly leaders, you know, in our state, in our legislator, in our senate, our representatives, wherever it may be, these are, this is the fruit of covetousness. And there's a spirit of covetousness that is loosed in the earth today. It's lawlessness, the spirit of lawlessness. Because you see, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And he has authority in this dispensation. He has authority in this season. It's not forever, it's for this dispensation. And so in this dispensation, we have that spiritual warfare that we've got to contend with. And one of those things is a spirit of lawlessness. And so, turn with me to Judges chapter 9. We're going to look here about what happens. So often this happens in looking for leaders. And I'm sharing this with you because, you know, we have elections that will be coming up. Judges are so important. Who sits on the bench? We've got to find out. We've got to know. We research as much as we can, as diligent as we can, to make a wise decision. And so... Let's look at verse 8. It tells us a little parable here. It says, The tree once went forth to anoint the king over them, 
And they said to the olive tree, so all the trees gathered together, that's the story, and they're going forth to find a leader. And they go to the olive tree, because you know the olive tree is, it, it's just, it's a wonderful tree that produces in Israel olive oil and many other things come from that tree. It's a luscious tree. It's a tree that you can be fed and received and anointed by. So the trees went forth to anoint the king over them, and they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Should I cease giving my oil, with which they honor God and men, and go to sway over trees? Then the tree said to the fig tree, You come, and you reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit, and go to sway over trees? Then the trees said to the vine, You come and you reign over us. You know, the vine is another place that you can abide. You reign over us. But the vine said to them, Should I cease my new wine, which uh, cheers both God and men, and go astray over trees? Then all the trees said to the, um, well, it's, it's really the thorn bush. You come and you reign over us. And the thorn bush said to the trees, If in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter under my shade. Thorn trees do not have shade. You get under a thorn tree, what are you going to get? You're going to get pricked. It's going to hurt. It says, But if not, let fire come out of the thorn tree and devour the cedars of Lebanon. So see, people don't want to step forth because there's many excuses. And you know, you've got to almost have a call of God on you these days to want to step forth or you're operating in that other spirit of covetousness because you get out there and everything in your life is exposed. Everything in your family's life is exposed. Everything is not just exposed, it's spun. So we've got to pray for the right people to rise up with the spirit of faith, the gift of might, that have a mission from God, a what? A vision. A vision that's what? Bigger than their hands. Bigger than their resources. To step into places to rule and to reign. Amen. Glory to God. Again, intercession is not too hard. Romans 8, 26 to, 20, uh, 20, 8, 26 to 28 in the Amplified says this. We'll read it together if you put it up there, please. So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weaknesses. For we do not know what, to pray to, uh, what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf and unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is the mind of the Holy Spirit, what his intent is, because the Spirit spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with what? The will of God. Of God. We are assured and know that God, being a partner in our labor, all things will work together and are fitting into a plan for good to those for who, who love God and who are called according to his design and purpose. God will show you things to come. Again, you're not on your own. It's not your own ability. It's in God's strength. It's, in, it's the Holy Spirit. He's in you if you've received him. And he'll pray through you. And the scripture says it'll be the perfect will of God. Do you know the perfect will of God? Do you know how to pray for Ethiopia today? How do you, how do, you do that? You pray in the Spirit. Do you know how to pray for our president today? I mean, really, all the things that he's facing? No, you don't. So what do you have to do? You have to pray in the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit. He'll show you things to come. One day I was driving down Vasco Road, 
And I was going, um, it was early in the morning, I was going down, all of a sudden I saw an accident on the side, and there was all these cars coming, they were blocked up, blocked up, blocked up, blocked up, you know, half a mile, mile, blocked up. And then you get past that and you see other cars coming. And you want to just go, hey, turn around! You're going to be stuck there for a while. But of course, I didn't have a megaphone, I couldn't do that. I didn't have a way to single them. I didn't have a way to say it. But see, in prayer, God does. He'll speak to your heart. He'll signal you and say, hey, there's something ahead. Take a detour. Hey, do this. Hey, pray this for that one. So when you're in tune with him, remember the FM versus the AM? You're going to hear his voice speaking. And the more you yield to that spirit of prayer, the Bible says praying at all times. How do you do that? Well, you do it by having an attitude of prayer. Well, you know, you go before, uh, you're going to do something on your computer, Lord, help me to do this with the anointing of God. You have an attitude of prayer. Lord, help me to be kind to this person who is really rubbing me the wrong way. May your love rise up in me. Because your love never fails. It never runs out. Amen? Glory to God. And his love in you will never fail. It'll never run out. Hallelujah. So being in tune with the Spirit and following him, so important, so important. Some things are just mysteries in life and will remain so until someone prays them out. I was speaking with someone today in the foyer and they are a director in a very large company. If I said the name, you would know it right away. And they had an opportunity for a promotion. And it was a very good promotion. It was, it was a different area that they were to work in where currently they managed people, and this position was not. And so it was prestigious. It looked like in the natural this would be the way to go. But you know, this person is a spiritual person, a person of maturity, a person that knows that just because something looks a certain way, you don't walk through that door without prayer. And they began to pray over the matter. And as they prayed over the matter, you know, something just didn't quite sit right. Brother Hagin used to say, it's like taking a bath with your socks on. Something's just not right. So as they prayed over it, they could see that there was another person that would actually be the person that should step into that. And there was many other things going on. Who was going to fill that spot? And as she began to walk it out, God began to give her wisdom and insight that we were talking about. A spirit of seeing and knowing. So she knew what to do, and she knows where to go. And so she, when she went to talk with those who had offered her this position... They said, well, who are we going to get? And another person was there, and out of both of their mouths, with, I don't even think they were conferring, the same name came forth. And so, the will of God is being done. Because this person has an anointing with people. And they need, this corporation needs this person with their supply in their place. They may have done really well over there, but God needs them with their supply in this place. Okay, So you've got to follow these things out and you've got to be prayerful about the steps that you're about to take. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you come together and you, you begin to pray. We were talking about praying for a nation. Those things are things that you can do in and of yourself. Praying for this church. Pray much for your church. This is your church. You have a supply in prayer. God will grant to you that no other has. But when, you're, when, you're, when you come together and you begin to pray corporate prayer, we make petitions and supplications and intercessions and giving of thanks. See, it's not all about being, oh, I'm just going to be in there interceding all the time. No. God says giving of thanks. So, when you're working in corporate prayer, it's like this. My son works for Caterpillar. And he works on great, big, earth-moving pieces of equipment. 
Now, those big pieces of equipment, they're earth-moving. They're something that you can do with them out there in the field. You cannot bring them home. (laughs) There's some things that have to be done in corporate prayer because that's where the machinery is. That's where the earth-moving machinery is in the body of Christ, in corporate prayer. You're going to move some things through the power of God, through your authority, through the word of God, that you can't otherwise move in and of yourself. It takes many people coming together. God knows how to orchestrate things like this. You know, you're only responsible for your part. Sometimes people get something on their heart, an assignment like I was talking about. Know this, God's going to put that assignment on someone else too. And you're not the only one carrying it. And you know, another thing too, this is a side note. Sometimes intercessors get in prayer and they think, you know, they'll get into the mind of God and the heart of God. And God will be praying through them the plan of God, let's say for the service. And they're, they're just going to, and God's granting them utterance, and they're praying. And all of a sudden, they come into the service, and they see that the thing that they prayed out was what happened. And they think that they did it. That's pride. No, what you did is you hooked up with what God was going to do. And he used you. Amen? Amen. So there's a difference. There's a difference. Hallelujah. God is good all the time. You're only responsible for your part. God will send others to do their part. As you flow in the anointing, as you, you sense, you know, you're praying and you sense in, intercession, it begins to lift. Then you call for another prayer. You say, Lord, send another one to take my place. And you just step out. And you go about what you need to do. And then sometimes you'll sense God move on you. And when you sense him move on to you, you just pull yourself away. Maybe into your car. Maybe on the way to work. Maybe whatever your prayer closet is. You pull yourself aside. And you say, what about that, Lord? And you might start off, you know, like in the natural. Okay, I'm going to pray over this. And you begin to pray. But all of a sudden, you'll hit that place where you're in the spirit. You're in the spirit. And you're praying with a spirit of prayer. And that's different. God accomplishes great things in that place. Praying at all times, we said that, with all prayer, in the spirit, with every manner of prayer and entreaty. All manner of prayer. Again, you find that place in the river where you begin to move, where you begin to flow, where you begin to go (laughs) with the sweet Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Rivers have power. Rivers have turns and bends. There's streams, there's rivers, there's oceans, but it's all water. And that's how prayer is. There's supplications, there's prayers, different kinds of prayer, binding and loosing, prayer of agreement, prayer of consecration, all manner of prayer, giving of thanks, different turns, different bends. Amen? This morning I was getting in my car and I was pulling out of the driveway and all of a sudden the light indicator on my car came on my panel. And it was a different light. I didn't quite recognize it at first. What's that? And I looked again and it was telling me something. It was telling me my tire was low. Again, you know, if I didn't stop to take care of that, I was going to have a problem. You got to take care of issues as God speaks them to your heart. Because it's like that low tire. I mean, you might go for a little bit on it. But if you don't stop to take care of it, it's going to affect your performance. It's going to affect your gas mileage. It can be a safety issue. It can cause damage to the tire. It can cause a blowout. It can cause a crisis. Amen? Well, you can't go anymore because you either have a flat or you have a blowout. You've got to take care of things as God gives you the cue. And this morning, Pastor was delivering a word this morning about being spiritually fit. And as we begin to close tonight, I just want to encourage you to be spiritually fit. You know, by receiving the word. The word is the instrument that God uses to transform your heart. 
And when your heart is transformed, then your life begins to change. You know, what's on the inside shows up on the outside. Glory to God. That's powerful. And so intercession is a place that we need to step into as a body, praying for this church, praying for the lost, praying for what God puts on your heart, praying. You've got to be spiritually fit to do that. You've got to be full of the word. That doesn't mean you know every dot and tittle in here. It means that you know Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. If that's what you know, then that's what you pray, and God blesses it. Whatever you lift up to him in prayer, he blesses, he multiplies, he sees to it, it doesn't return to him void, but it prospers and it accomplishes that which he pleases in the places to which he sent it. I want to just share one thing with you about my own personal testimony, uh, and then we're going to close. And so... Um, I was raised in the Baptist church as a little girl. Always went to church, always had a heart for God. Wasn't rooted in the word, but rooted in what I knew. I saw the fruit of the spirit. I saw people of love. I saw people who loved me. I wanted to be around that place. I wanted to be around God. I would pray every night, you know. Didn't know about the things that we're teaching you here in this wonderful church. But I did what I knew. I remember I always pray, oh, Lord, don't let Russia come over and bomb us. Because <laughs> when I was a little kid, that was the issue, you know. And you know what? He didn't. So praise the Lord. <laughs> I believe he moved on our prayer, my prayer. But anyhow, um, I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit until I was, um, I forget what age, maybe 22, something like that. And basic, I'm trying to think how much I want to share this testimony, but Let's see, 741. Okay, so I had a call from a lady on the phone from a place, a lady called, it's a campaign, a national campaign called I Found It. And she called me up and she said, hi, I'm from I Found It. Have you found Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And I said, well, yes, I have. She said, wonderful. What church do you go to? And I said, well, I don't go to church. She said, you don't? I said, No. She said, why not? And I said, well, I have little kids. It's hard. Da, da, da. There's all these excuses, excuses that people have for not being in church. God will speak to you in church. He'll speak to you through your pastor. Um, and so she, all of a sudden she was talking to me and she just began to weep. And I didn't know for years later, I, years later, the, the Holy Spirit revealed to me she was in intercession for me. And she said, honey, can I just send you some material? And I, I just didn't want to be mean, but I didn't understand that. I just wanted to get off the phone. I said, sure. So it didn't come the next day or the next day, but God was dealing with me on those days. And on the third day, I came home from work, and I went to the mailbox, and there in the mailbox was this little packet from this lady, from I found it, who will not know this side of heaven, this side of heaven what that conversation did. So I took that information and I went in the house and began to read. I said, okay, God, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a deal with you. If you reveal to me what your word says, what you say, what you say, I don't even know how to say what your word says. If you, if you talk to me and you reveal to me who you are, what you say, not what the Baptists say, not what the Catholics say, my dad was Catholic, not what the Pentecostals say, not what the Methodists say, I want to know what you say. What do you say, God? I want to know what you say. I'll tell you what, there was just such a presence of God that came on me and it left me with a hunger for God. I hungered. I hungered. I knew that that lady's intercession and whoever else God had prayed for me, that that fruit was there because I was so hungry for God. First, I couldn't put the word down. I consumed it day and night. I was so hungry and so thirsty for God's word. And he opened it up to me and there was such revelation in the scriptures. Such understanding came to my heart about who God was. Just like I asked him to do. And he's still answering that prayer today. Shortly after that, to make a long story short, I was connected with five, uh, 
for other people. And it's, it's a Bible study that was started. And from that Bible study, we prayed and asked God to establish a church. And here we are. But getting past that, I wanted to know about the Holy Spirit thing. Because I heard about it. Okay, God, what do you say about it? So I began to turn to the scriptures and read about it. I even began to pray in my dreams about it. God would speak to me. And one day, another day, I came home, and I went and laid down on my bed for just a minute before I went and picked up my children. And as I laid there, all of a sudden, I got this desire, this strong desire to pray for Israel. Well, folks, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know anything about Israel. I wasn't taught all that stuff. I didn't know. But I wanted to pray for Israel. I didn't know how to pray. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I began to give utterance in the Spirit. And it was a few syllables, but I spoke them out in faith because I knew it was God. And I made intercession that day for Israel. For what I didn't know how to pray, he helped me to pray. Isn't that powerful? Sometimes you don't know how to pray for your loved ones, your own children sometimes. Your parents maybe. People close to you that you love. Spouses. You don't know how to pray as you ought. You don't really know what's the root to the fruit. Your teenager may be acting one way and displaying fruit, but it's, I'm telling you it's connected to a root. You've got to get to the root and get the root out to change the fruit. How do you do that? When you don't know how to pray. Pray in the Spirit. There it is. And the Holy Ghost will pray through you the perfect will plan and purposes of God. And remember, it's like that circle we always talk about. He brings it down, he puts it in your heart, you lift it up, and he answers it. You work together with heaven and earth. And so that's what we do. Amen? And so I hope that you've been encouraged tonight to step out, to step out. Again, if all you know is Jesus loves me, Jesus loves the world. If all you know is John 3, 16, You can start there, and you can make intercession on behalf of other people. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. Glory to God. You drive out of your driveway, and your neighbor over there is not saying, Oh, Lord, thank you for sending labors. Lord, send me. Lord, thank you for their salvation. Thank you. I claim them because you died for them. You love them, Lord. I lift them up to you. Lord, move on them. TK has a Muslim lady that lives next door to her, and she came out of her house one day um, a couple of weeks ago. And as she came out of the house, the Spirit of God just came on her. And all of a sudden, she had God's eyes. And she saw this lady. It was so powerful. You saw her. And you saw her wanting to get to God. You saw her desperate. She wanted truth. And so she began to pray. And that's an assignment, see? God gives you assignments for people. And you stay with it. Intercession is praying the will of God until it comes to pass. Amen?